All right. I'm Andrew Sailor. This is Adam Fife. This is Keyscast podcast where we talk about whatever we find interesting this week in the world of real estate. Adam, what are we talking about this week? There's a very interesting conversation going on right now about the Canadian Real Estate Association going under a lawsuit, or sorry, currently in a lawsuit for buyer agent commission. Yeah. So just want to preface this off right now. I, I understand the basics of the lawsuit. I understand kind of why it's there and what it's doing, but I don't have a full grasp of the minute details. So today's conversation is just trying to open up a thought-provoking conversation about how we feel about the basics of the lawsuit. Andrew? Yeah, and it's not a new conversation. It was first birthed, I think, in the States. Birth. That was kind of a strange way to talk about that. Um, <laughs> but it really, it really hit the headlines in the States. The NRA went after uh, certain brokerages as well as certain boards around uh, commission price fixing. Mm-hmm. That was then uh, either at the same time, but it's still ongoing, or it was started a little bit after um in toronto similar similar item on the on the table around uh sellers paying also for the buyers realtors so price fixing um and price fixing of sales as well so uh, saying that uh, buyers agents can't be neutral because the seller is essentially paying for their commission mm-hmm. and their incentive to show the house why is it on our table well korea um as well as CREB, our our real estate board here in Calgary. What is CREA? What is CREB? CREA is the uh, Canadian Real Estate Association. Uh, surprising one. Yeah, it was a couple of years since I did that course. Um, and then CREB is the uh, Calgary Real Estate Board. And so those, uh, CREA has been in this lawsuit or tied in for a little while, and CREB has just recently been added to the lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the claim... Circling back to what I initially said there, the claim is that uh, buyer's agents are involved in price fixing because uh, they can't essentially be neutral because their payment comes from the seller. Uh, mutually, it's it's uh, stacked on top of what was happening in the States that commission brokerages were commission fixing. So there are standard kind of understood averaged commissions um, and those have become so common that they're they're now price fixing. Mm-hmm. So they say, yeah, what do you think about that? Because every, every week, I mean, this week I did a handful of listing presentations. Mm-hmm. I run my own business. I set my price mm-hmm. and my price isn't consistent in Calgary. The understood average commission is three and a half, one and a half. So three and a half on the first hundred thousand, one and a half on the balance. And that's multiplied by two. So the seller will pay 7% on the first hundred thousand and 3% on the balance. And it is split equally between the seller's representation and the buyer's representation. However, I have clients that I charge 7% flat. Mm-hmm. I have clients that I charge 2% flat. Yeah. I set my prices for my business. So I'm kind of interesting how consistent this mm-hmm. actually is because the topic of commission, commission negotiation is almost at every single one of my meetings. I would boil it down to, to the very basic boiling down of education. I feel like the seller is not informed enough that they could actually negotiate their commissions and they're not strong negotiators. That's why they hire realtors to become their negotiator. All commissions are not forced, right? This is a choice. And I I personally say this in my listing presentations, my commission is negotiable, but what I bring to the table and the value that I do behind the scenes, this is what I charge and this is why I charge it. And I've even encouraged some people that are a little bit hesitant to go and interview other realtors. I know that's a little bit of a, um, it could be a dangerous play, 
But in my own belief, I know that my value is so much higher than the average agent. So I charge the average commissions. But when I go back to this lawsuit, I feel that a lot of sellers feel like they're forced and they do not go above and beyond and try to source out other realtors, other value adds, other commission structures. They just kind of take what it is that they are offered. And then all of a sudden they look back and they say, oh shit, I just paid twelve, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000. And that's a lot of commission. And I don't feel like I got the value from that. Well, go and interview other realtors, right? Mm -hmm. So I think there's a, as an education piece that people are just not fully informed that there is other options out there and you need to find someone because even in Calgary, what are we at? Like 6,500 realtors? Like there's a lot of realtors in Calgary. Oh, there's, yeah, there's a ton. But to circle back on what you're talking about, when you're talking about value, are you talking about strictly price? Are you talking mm. about process? Are you talking about general exposure? Like the big what if, you know, if I was right. in so, more places, could I have gotten more? Could, so, I, could I have gotten more shots? So value, value is interesting because a value as a listing agent is also overlaid as how you treat buyer's agents. And this lawsuit's about buyer agent commissions. So my value as a listing agent more or less is concentrated on the seller and why I charge my half of the commission and why we charge three and a half, one and a half in the other industry is also like a completely different topic. But the value is how I organize myself, how I treat those people, how I advise them during the negotiations and all of that other stuff. So the conversation really shouldn't be about the value add that I have, but about the buyer's commission and how much the actual buyer is doing to be able to actually, uh, what would you say? Um, uh, I can't, I'm kind of drawing a blank. Why the seller would feel like the three and a half, one and a half is worth it. Um, shoot, I kind of lost my train of thought there. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I was trying to follow. Yeah, no, I I kind of went on a tangent there. I, I so, think, sorry, go ahead. You you brought up a really good point at the beginning of this conversation before we went recording about how if there's a, there's like for sale by owners that charge a flat fee, there's discount brokerages that charge only two percent, right? So there's there's all these different um, commission structures that are currently available, and if you are going to charge less for a buyer's commission, that's fine. But you also need to remember that if a realtor who's feeding his family or her family can potentially get more commission at a different property where the client is pretty torn between the two, mm -hmm. and we're talking about pretty similar products. So it's not like you're really trying to force one over the other, but they're pretty close. Mm -hmm. Let's be completely honest with each other. If they were very close and the buyer was pretty torn, do you not believe that someone who's trying to feed their family would probably try and say, well, this one's got some of these other features that might work better for you? Mm -hmm. People are going to think little about that approach, but that's the reality of the situation. People want to get paid. So if you're going to offer less, that's fine, but you might not get the most amount of attraction on the market where someone else with a similar product might pay an extra two, $3,000. And that's just the reality of the situation. I mean, there's, there's that layer, which, which certainly happens. Let's not lie. Like mm -hmm. it's, it, it, it happens in this industry quite a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you're cutting your commission structure down, um, mutually a lot of realtors also won't negotiate that commission so if they're setting a from a buyer's point of view now let's let's say we're representing the buyer right mm -hmm. so um i have john and and uh, janice let's say and they find uh, a bunch of houses that they like and uh, there's a for sale by owner there is a two percent realty uh, whatever property guys type situation uh, and then there's a full uh, a full realtor commission mm -hmm. now 
me, me as the realtor, I have to decide what's what's worth my time, right? If I'm going to go around and, and sell this condo, if it's a smooth transaction and it's it's a useful and productive and profitable business transaction, but it's also beneficial for the buyer because they're getting great value. It's great property. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, it's exactly what they're looking for. Maybe scarcity on the market, but in addition to that, I mean. Going to these for sale by um, owners and whatnot, I'm looking for, when I'm with my buyers, I'm looking for the smoothest transaction. And so some some listing agents that are uh, kind of like the property guy's situation or the for sale by owner, they'll list a $1 commission negotiable. So they essentially want me to go to them along with our offer and says, I, you know, I want you to pay me this amount of money and my buyers will also pay you this amount of money, right? So... This is what I'm going to get for my services mm-hmm. from you, and so you're having a, a kind of a two front negotiation, mm-hmm. and and so there's two ways that that negotiation can go bad, but it's also extremely time consuming relative than just going across the street. So, if there's two properties that are essentially the same, right, and they they like both of them, this is going to be the more seamless transaction, which is a more efficient use of my time. It's more an efficient mm-hmm. use of their time, and there's the assurance that I'm going to get paid for my services. Correct. Going and showing this property without pre-negotiating whether or not you're going to get paid, and then having to go back to your buyers. Let's say they're you know an insured home buyer, a high ratio mortgage. They got five percent down. I'm going to go sell them a six hundred thousand dollar house. Well, you know you think you're going to make ten, twelve grand from this transaction and writing the deal and doing all the the uh, the relayed work after the fact. Mm-hmm. Going and picking up the keys and and then giving them the house and ensuring that it's in the exact condition that they're. Uh, they'd they'd purchased and whatnot. All that time, money, gas needs to be worth it yeah. on the other side. And so, will buyers uh, agents you know continue to even show these properties if they can't get paid? I mean, what is what is the purpose to them, mm-hmm. right? So, do they have to now go back to their buyers? This complicates things further, right? If they have to go back to their buyers, and their buyers are looking at this flat fee that they have to pay. Well, that now decreases their down payment. That now decreases their eligibility. You've got a retainer fee. A retainer fee yeah. or something that they have to pay on. That's closing, a good point. Right? And so if you want to push the values of your property, um, buyers are essentially wrapping this fee. I mean, they're evidently paying for it and just the appreciated value of the houses currently in the market, uh, but they're able to wrap it into the mortgage somehow versus buyers having to pay buyers agents out of pocket mm-hmm. reduces their buying power. Yeah. I would also like to add into how kind of frustrating it is where you have a fiduciary duty and you want to be an honest, transparent person and somewhat frustrating when you find a really good property for someone and they're looking at giving you like a very low commission. And at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I will definitely go and do above and beyond for my buyer client. And if they want to buy that property at a lower commission, I will do it. But how awkward is it where you're like, okay, they're only offering a very low amount, which barely covers my cost for my monthly stuff. We've probably talked for months on end. I've probably had multiple meetings with you. So the dollar per hour is very low. So it gets kind of awkward when you don't pre-negotiate. Like even if you have a flat fee, like so be it. Have a flat fee and post that online. So at least I don't have to go back and have this awkward conversation where it's like, yeah, we can get you at this price, but I mean, we got to write this into the contract of how much I get paid because it makes it awkward for you and your buyer because the buyer thinks always jeopardizing this deal because he's not getting paid much. And it kind of makes you awkward between you and the listing agent because, or the for sale by owner, because now you're like, 
I don't want my personal gain or loss to be a part of this negotiation. I want the whole negotiation to be for my client at buying this home at X price. And I kind of already know what I'm getting. So I don't want my personal interest in this negotiation. I want to be the middleman between my client and you. Like, why am I having to now negotiate on my own personal gain? Like, it's it, it's just frustrating, it's, right? It's circling back, I think, to what I was saying, that it's it's very difficult to remain objective. Mm. Or you're having a, basically a two-faced Absolutely. negotiation. Absolutely. What are my buyers going to get and what am I going to get uh, for my fair services? Fair enough. Like, Right. And so in what I sign up for it, it's well, it's just overly complicated. And in, in fact, it's probably going to do the opposite. If, mm -hmm. if they think the buyer's agents are going to become more objective mm -hmm. um, and, and seek out, you know, better solutions for their buyers when they have to negotiate how they're going to eat and how much their buyers are going to pay. I mean, if their if their buyers now have to pay 20 grand more in order to cover their $15,000 commission, that's probably where they're going to push them. Mm -hmm. to ensure that they get paid in the end, right? Versus coming back to your sellers, like you have you have an offer on the table, the pro property is priced too high. Now I have to reduce the property value, let's say $25,000. And then they cut the buyer's commission off that because they no longer want to pay it. So it's like, ah, oh, tomato, tomato for mm -hmm. me, right? That buyer's agent is going to come to the table and look to get paid somehow. So it's it, now how do you have that conversation on the seller's side? Right. Yeah, we've reduced this and we've taken away this fee doesn't impact me as a listing agent at all mm -hmm. but it certainly impacts the likelihood that they're going to go somewhere else the um the next thing i wanted to bring up is that what will happen in provinces so in the province of alberta there are situations where it's entirely fine for a uh a client to come in up unrepresented and become a customer uh so one of the two parties in the transaction is client one is customer both of them are clients and it's more of a transactional, like a mediator position. But the, in layman's terms, realtors have the ability uh, to double end the property. So let's say I, I have a house listed. Uh, I have a sign out front. John and Janice come to the house and they say, I want this house. Do I need a realtor? You walk them through the obligations that I have to the seller. They're well-versed. They've bought and sold properties in the past, whatever they have a you know, a cousin who's a lawyer that's to help out a little bit, whatever. So we find a comfort zone and they end up moving forward. Now, in a transaction like that, um, there are certain cases if it's come very easily and you know that they're going to manage as their buyer, they're going to manage their own obligations mm -hmm. that will reduce the commission because of that, because I essentially still have to only do, I, I end up in the same spot. I do the same amount of work, mm -hmm. right? Now, there's other situations that I've been in where I've come in as a buyer offering on a for sale uh, by owner property, and she's not paying a listing commission. She's going to try to do it all herself. And I negotiated a full pop for myself, full three and a half, one and a half for the buyer's agent. But she was so uninformed about how to sell this house that I essentially ended up doing both roles right. for half the money. It was incredibly time consuming, and I wouldn't be very motivated to do it again. The only reason why we did it in that particular case is because it was a fantastic price for the property. Mm -hmm. It was a, a big house in Cochrane. And, um, you know, that house for those buyers, that they're up 25% since they bought, you know, a year and a half ago. Right. Partially because of where they, where they, or mm -hmm. what, what price they purchased at. So I think that there's exclusions, but um, what will happen in provinces uh, where you legally have to have outside representation for your buyers? So, I, I kind of going back to my initial statements, I'm actually not very well versed on the provinces that have client versus customer relationships because I, I understand in Alberta client customer relationships, we just did a mandatory course on that. It's kind of funny. 
But there's a lot of different things that I would actually like to dive into. One, I really like, and I didn't actually think about this. I really like how you brought up the retainer fee for buyer's agents. If like, I've thought about it numerous amount of times. I'm I'm very blessed and lucky to say that I've created a system where a lot of people are coming to me and they ask me questions and I love that. But there's a lot of people that just kick tires and want to utilize my knowledge for their gain and maybe not make a move. And that's fine. I'm still trying to build relationships. But the people that come in and spend multiple hours of my time, I would love to charge them a retainer fee. But for those high... Um, what would you call them? The high risks are the, um, uh, the, the 5% downers insured mortgages. insured mortgages. They, if you give up 1500 bucks, like that's basically your closing cost for a lawyer. Like that's your down payment chopped by quite a bit. Right. So uh, that, that's an interesting conversation because now people will have to save up even more, right? Another few months of savings to try to get up to that retainer fee. I do agree that I believe that if this lawsuit turns out to be a bigger than expected uh, situation, the transaction facilitator and the listing agents are going to just amalgamate. Like there's going to be way more one person over overseeing the entire thing. And then in 10 years from now, they're going to be like all oh, price fixing because the buyer didn't have representation. So I, th- I can see this crazy loop. This so, yeah, this yeah. whole circle. It's circling back i think to you bring that up again i mean it 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 will also act as a a gatekeeping mechanism within mm. real estate that will prevent first-time home buyers from getting into property how so and it well it, it seems a little bit dramatic to say it like that but let's let's do the math on that right <laughs> um john and janice let's bring them back i love that yeah come back john and janice um they want to buy their first house and their first house is an entry-level house and bonus say right yeah uh for five hundred thousand, if we could find a house, and ask for five hundred thousand. But uh, so the house is for five hundred thousand, yeah. right? And they're going to use an insured mortgage, mm-hmm. right? So they're going to put five percent down on this on this five hundred thousand dollar purchase. So that's twenty five thousand dollars down payment. Now they have to pay me as a realtor the real real estate fees that a buyer's agent would get for a five hundred thousand dollar house would be in the ballpark of ten grand. So they would need a thirty five thousand dollar down payment mm-hmm. or a gift or wherever they can get mm-hmm. it from. I mean, the power of the commission and the appreciation is that you can wrap it into mortgages. Yes. The more you can finance, the easier it is to get Absolutely. into the market. Mm-hmm. And so for them now, their down payment has dropped down to, to $50,000, mm-hmm. right? In which case they can now look at a $300,000 condo. Right. Plus lawyers, plus lawyers, plus inspections, plus right? appraisals. Appraisals. Yeah. yeah. So that's. It's interesting. It is. I, I I understand fully how sellers are like, why am I spending $20,000 in commissions when, you know, I've spent many, many years paying this mortgage. But I think you've broken down very nicely that it kind of just makes sense, right? Of why that would happen because you would very limit, you would very much limit your buyer pool. Because right now I would even argue that a lot of people are even struggling buying a house. Calgary's in a very hot market. But could you imagine adding additional layers on that? Like it could be good in this market right now, kind of slowing down the amount of buyers, but at the same time in a slow market, it would be, the dip would go even further. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can see it's, it's a large fee, mm-hmm. right? And look, if you want to sell your own house mm-hmm. and you want to do that, it is, you, you can do it. Yes, absolutely. You, you can, for absolutely sure. Absolutely can do it. Absolutely. But just expect that you are going to be expected to facilitate the entire transaction until mm-hmm. it gets to the lawyer stage. Mm-hmm. And if it's bumpy along the way, 
um, deals are going to fall apart. It's going to get very emotional. It's going to get very heated. Mm -hmm. There's, there's a process to this transaction. And so when you're talking about the largest purchase, it's a really good point is going to make, Mm -hmm. you know, and they're purchasing your house and you want to get top dollar for it that you've gotten through inflation and appreciation, sweat equity, and all this other stuff you got into your house. Um, and you would, you know, you bought it for $50,000 and now you want to sell it for $500,000. It, it is because of this process that it is worth that much, mm. you know, and the process works. So tam- a good point. Tampering with it, it all just comes down to, um, the end numbers and the end numbers come usually down to financing and the financing relativity, uh, is usually how you get the most amount of people interested in your home. Yeah. And I, I go right back to it, man. I argue that I think it's just a lack of education from the seller, right? I think that there's an arrogance and then there's an intelligence. The arrogance is, oh, I can just do this on my own. I'll charge whatever I want. No big deal. And then it's like, holy shit, this is actually a little bit harder than I anticipated. But then there's intelligence where it's like, okay, I know I need help. I, I will pay for that help, but I'm going to negotiate with these people that will give me the best service for a, a rate that I'm happy with, Right. I have, I, I actually just sold a property. I just sold a property not even two weeks ago where it wasn't full commission. It was about four to $500 less than the average three and a half, one and a half because I structured it in a way that my seller's saving five, 600 bucks, but the buyer's agent is still getting a very reasonable commission. So intelligent realtor, hopefully I can actually play with the numbers, play with the percentages. And we had multiple offer situation and we end up selling it and you save five, 600 bucks. So, I mean, right. The, it comes down to intelligence and what you're willing to do above and beyond too many people, both the general public, as well as professionals in the industry, just go with the norm and they don't go above and beyond. And they don't think about how they can value the client. And the client has no idea on what good service looks like. So we're seeing it come back to the industry a little bit right now, but for the last couple of years, I can see also why this comes to question and it comes off of that norm that you just mentioned mm-hmm. that, you know, realtor shows up in the suit, they do the interview, they tell you your, your house is worth this much. Wow. I didn't know it was worth that much. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. It's cause the market's on fire. I set up the lockbox. I stick the sign out front, maybe a couple brochures, maybe on the kitchen counter. And then you're not going to hear. Yeah, I, well, but you're gonna get competing offers, gonna get absolutely run over, and I'm gonna look like a hero for essentially doing. The bare, Ain't that the, the truth? The bare minimum, yeah. right? And I know mean, that's why we see so many people leave the industry at this point. But on the other side of the coin, you know, in a market that's a little bit more tough, who's gonna be there every day, making the phone calls and reaching out to people? Who's gonna crack the door open for the open house mm-hmm. you know, and staff it and and uh, and whatnot? Who's gonna be following up with everyone to see if they're inclined to purchase the house and then stay less emotional about the transaction uh, because they don't live in the property. Right. right? So it's, it's a, it's a third party uh, on the outside, but the, the norm and adding value as well as, I mean, it's an interesting point of view, even at the point of transaction commissions have been negotiated. I mean, I've thrown in some commissions in order to make a deal happen. We're at five, $10,000 apart. Mm-hmm. We'll throw it in, you know, the listing agents, good person, they throw it in too. And then we bridge the gap and we come to a price that works for everyone. Mm. So maybe that's what they've been uh, pre-approved for, the buyers pre-approved for. Maybe that's just a bare bones expectation of the seller. As long as it's justifiable, yeah. then you have that range, that that financial mm-hmm. range and ability to do that versus if you're offering 1% on your house for houses worth $350,000 
that's 3500 the brokerage takes 20 percent of that off the hop they take another transaction fee and then you get tax yeah and then, then you're going to get your your 2500 bucks back in your pocket half that split in tax so i'm going to walk away from this whole transaction with a fantastic 1250 yeah um I don't think so. Yeah, it's crazy. You know what actually is pretty wild to me too? Uh, if you actually, if you look at the USA, their commission structure is actually a lot more than we are. As we, far as payment? As far as payment. So they usually do like a 4 or 5% where if you actually do our wacky equation of 7 and 3, Alberta and Canada in general have fairly low commissions. And I understand people are probably triggered by that because I'm like a million dollar property. You're still, you're still looking at like, 40,000, whatever dollars of commission. But we are very reasonable when you compare it to other places. And I and I realize that some other places are cheaper than us and other places are more expensive. But it all just simply comes down to negotiation. Like if people are upset, like make a difference on your own personal level. Like I don't think you can really put some sort of legislation in a uh, business where I'm in control of my own income, where I get to negotiate. Like you can't put some sort of rule to say, I need to charge this. Well, I'm going to run my business in a different way. So it comes down to the point where the sellers and the buyers just, they need to buck up. And if they're really pissed off, then don't work with 90% of the people that you originally talked to. Talk to the 10% that are going to give you a discount and work with them. And if you don't like it, continue to shop around. You know what's fascinating, and I've thought about this a bunch, is, is how did um, other provinces, you look at BC, you look at Ontario, we look at Greece uh, conversations from Saskatchewan and Manitoba, mm-hmm. they all seem to have flat fees, mm-hmm. 4% to 5% is usually what I see. Mm-hmm. Um, how did we get the 7% oh, of the first hundred? I hate and, it. And 100, you know. Yeah. Um, it had to have been someone very clever because housing prices only exceeded this is like mid 2000s they only started to exceed like three hundred thousand dollars right right so you, you wanted to ensure because there were so many properties in that hundred thousand dollar range you wanted to ensure that you're going to get your oh, your money is worth yeah. that i suppose so as the properties appreciate we're actually making less and less and less mm. here's another interesting thought um a lot of other sales programs so let's say car sales for example my understanding of car sales the car salesman actually make a percentage off of net profit. Oh. And so it's anywhere now, car salesman out there, you can leave me a comment, tell me I'm wrong or, or whatnot. But from the conversations that I've had, it's between 25 and 30% of net profits. Sell out. So relate that to a house, right? Mm-hmm. You bought the house at 200,000 or selling it at 400,000. If I told you that if I sell it at 450, Right, and you're going to make a two hundred fifty thousand dollars spread, but I want twenty five percent of your net profit. It's going to be substantially more for me, but it's going to affirm your principle. Mm. Um, And that's the expectation in the car market: is twenty five to thirty percent margins. We're asking. I could basically comes out to like two percent in in Alberta, two percent of gross sales. I could see, I could really see that taking off for the people that are actually intelligent enough to explain that and like showcase their value and understand like this is a situation where you're going to make 150 roughly and you can charge off that's a that's fascinating i've never I don't, thought I don't about think that, we can do that. I don't no know. i have no I, idea i actually don't even think that we can charge that way yeah so i don't know there's a there's a case comp uh and it happens every year that especially on new construction jv partnerships or maybe the realtors entwined or whatnot but un, seen as unethical transactions 
where the realtor will say, hey, I'll sell your house at 400. But if I sell it at 450, I want half of that extra 50. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, you could go in there pretty dirty. And, yeah. That's, yeah, see, that's it is unethical. And, and I've yeah. even come across deals yeah. still that that's like an offering to me, like, hey, we got this off market thing. Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll sign you up with this like referral fee or like extra marketing fee or whatever. I've never done one of those transactions. Mm -hmm. Actually, I'm not lying. I actually have never done one of those transactions. Um, but I don't, I don't think we can actually charge on net profit, but it would add that level of security to the seller that it may be if the margins are thin on their property, if they're making oodles of money, mm -hmm. then, then they're going to share. Mm -hmm. And if they're not, then at least they get the principal out. I wonder how that would work on short sales. It's almost like just a flat fee. Everyone would be door knocking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone would be door knocking in like 60, 1960s, yeah. 70s neighborhoods to see if there's any original owners left <laughs> oh man like sixty thousand right. dollar commissions yeah. so let's let's wrap this up andrew i think this is actually a very uh good conversation i i think we went fairly deep on some of the ideologies of where commissions are and maybe sharing our thoughts with the viewers here um you know what what are maybe some final thoughts just in terms of this lawsuit per se i i don't think the industry i think if the industry does change short term i think the vast amount of the industry would probably persist as is right. and it's just because while sellers feel like they're losing in the grand scheme of things they're actually it's benefiting them mm -hmm. that the only reason why their homes have appreciated this much mm -hmm. is because we found a method that's seamless and able to be heavily financed mm -hmm. and without that your house that you bought for fifty thousand dollars would not be a million dollars because it's drawn out in payments and so the more that you throw onto the buyer as a burden, the lower that they actually can be approved for in that purchase. It's valid. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Um, I kind of said it a few times. I think it's pretty obvious. I, I think just the education piece at the end of the day, I don't really feel like there's going to be a whole lot that comes from this. There might, but I doubt it. So I would argue that people just need to do their research. I mean, this is a big investment, right? It's a big offloading for people that are looking to sell. It's a big undertaking for people that want to buy and, I would highly recommend people just do the research, right? Ask multiple people their thoughts and their processes and and just start to become more uh, efficient and, and intelligent for this type of purchase. Because I mean, at the end of the day, you know, the people that find the most success are in the real estate market and they have five, six, 10, 20 properties. So if you really are serious about becoming successful and wealthy, like become educated and find the people and the professionals that are going to help you get there. I like that. Thanks for watching. We'll see you in the next one.